Real quick before we dive into this episode of the podcast, be sure to grab your free PDF copies of my latest books at frugal.show forward slash free. Now on to the show. If you haven't already, be sure to grab your free copy of my first two books, Frugalpreneur and Authorpreneur, by going to thesarahstjohn.com forward slash free. That's T-H-E-S-A-R-A-H-S-T-J-O-H-N dot com forward slash free. Now on to the show. Welcome to the Frugalpreneur Podcast. I am your host, Sarah St. John, and my guest today is an author, speaker, community builder, coach, and subscription box owner of Sparkle Hustle Grow, a monthly subscription box and online community for female entrepreneurs. Welcome to the show, Julie Ball. Thank you so much. It's such an honor to be here. I'm so excited. I've been looking forward to this. I'm actually a member, you know that, but the audience doesn't probably, uh, of Sparkle Hustle Grow. And I just love it. And just the whole subscription box business is is interesting. How did you get into that? Well, so I was a corporate ladder climber for over a decade. And that was when I, before I was a parent, And when I got pregnant with McKenna in 2011, I had this mindset shift. And at the time, all I needed was an internet connection to do business. I have a background in marketing, internet marketing specifically. And so I wanted to work with small businesses. So back in 2011, I started freelancing as part of my exit strategy, you know, becoming a stay at home mom and doing the freelance gig was new to me, but I was really excited and I jumped in. It's one of those moments where you're like, I just needed a reason to do this, to try something new. And becoming a new mom was my out of corporate America. And so I was working with small businesses and had a web agency that supported female entrepreneurs. Fast forward five years and McKenna was about ready to start kindergarten. And before she started, we're like, the mountains are calling. You've heard that phrase before. It's so true. And so we moved from the Charlotte, North Carolina area to Asheville. We wanted to do that before McKenna started school. So it'd be kind of a fresh start for everybody. Well, being in this new town, I was craving community. You know me, I thrive in community. I I built this community of Sparkle Hustle Grow. If your listeners haven't heard of it before, it's an online community. It's a subscription box, an online community for female entrepreneurs where our core mission is personal development and business growth. And so I was in this new community and I was just getting a little bit lonely behind the screen. I didn't really have a new set of friends here in the Asheville area yet. I was just getting, I don't know, I guess you'd call it antsy behind the screen. And so I just started dabbling. You know, whenever I get bored with something, I start dabbling and I'm a very ambitious person. I'm like, ooh, what new project can I start to fill this gap of loneliness? (laughs) (laughs) And so I love getting happy mail. It's always been a part of my life, like sending handwritten cards. And I loved receiving subscription boxes and anything that wasn't a bill, to be honest with you. I really fell in love with the subscription box model because of the recurring revenue side of it. You know, as an entrepreneur, we, a lot of times either trade hours for dollars or sell a product where we're continuously chasing a new customer. Well, this recurring model wasn't like that. You know, we could, the recurring model is People are going to buy from you month after month after month. And it just seems more sustainable, more predictable. And so that's why I was kind of drawn to it. And so I wanted to continue supporting female entrepreneurs. 
And being a female entrepreneur, I looked at my own expenses to see, okay, what am I spending my money on? And maybe I could put those things in a box and deliver it every month to a group of women who want to grow their business. So I looked back and I was spending my money on books, lots of business books, Audible, but also hard copy books. Um, I was spending my money on lots of online training. I'm sure you can relate. Most of us, you know, it's like squirrel when we see a new course or a new download or something. It's like, oh, I want to learn that. So I was spending a lot of money on online courses. And then I was spending a lot of money on office supplies, but not just your typical black or blue Bic pen. I wanted things in my office that were going to bring a pop of color that were going to inspire me and make me feel excited and happy to be working from home. And so I decided to put those things in a box and build a community around it. And it was a big leap of faith. I didn't know if it was sustainable, if it was going to be something that women really needed and wanted. But after the first month, I had nearly 50 people in on it on the first month. And I was like, hmm, okay, so this might have legs. Fast forward two more months, and I was at 100 subscribers. And that kind of hitting that 100 subscriber milestone was a big moment for me where I was like, I had this pivot in my business where I wanted to start pouring a lot more into that and less into the hours for dollars, the agency side of it. Within nine months, I was able to replace my full-time income and I stopped taking agency clients. And over the next year, weaned out of that business and since have shut the doors to that agency. And now I'm all in on Sparkle Hustle Grow. Oh, wow. How many subscribers do you have now? I have anywhere between 12 to say 1500 at any given moment during the year. And that's mm-hmm. intentional. That is our sweet spot. I never set out to be the next fab fit fun and have hundreds of thousands. I don't even know how many subscribers, honestly, they have, but never meant to grow it to this massive scale. What I found over the years, and we're about to celebrate our four year anniversary, is that when we are right around that 1200 subscriber mark, it is such a sweet spot from us, not only from a business perspective where I can pay the bills, I can pay my team and take home a profit, but also it still keeps the the community intimate enough, small enough that you get to know each other and we have the type of interaction that we want. It doesn't get overrun by spammy posts and, and we really hone in on accountability posts, training posts, personal development and things that are going to bring value and, and have a positive spin on it. So we love to stay right around that 1200 mark. A lot of people are surprised about that. uh, Yeah, that's actually a pretty good number. Wow. So how do you go about finding more subscribers? I mean, probably Facebook ads, I imagine. I think that's maybe how I found you. But what other ways do you do? And then how do you retain membership too? Because I imagine that's just as big of a job. Yeah, those are great questions. So in the subscription box industry, the term for the subscribers, the percent of subscribers you lose every month is called churn. Basically, you want to keep your churn low. We like to keep it under 10%. uh, And that's kind of like an industry standard to try to keep it under 10%. And just to give a frame of reference, if you have 100 subscribers with 10% churn, you'll lose 10 subscribers each month because that's 10% of 100. So each month we have to replace that churn, but we also want to continue to grow. Throughout the year, seasonality takes effect. A lot of people typically will spend less on things like this in the summer, more on things like this, say in Q4 or Q1 when they're super motivated and they're like, let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> so we're it's a constant game of beating out your churn. Um, the opposite of churn is called retention. And that's kind of what you were talking about. How do you retain those customers? So to combat both of those, one, we want to continue to put out a product that's amazing 
and that is game changing for our subscribers, something that ultimately becomes a non-negotiable. Like I need this every single month because this is what I use to grow my business. This is the training. This is the community that I lean on. So that's one of the biggest things. You know, we always try to bring more value, not just, you know, we never want to be known as just a box of stuff. We want to make sure that we're bringing it from the community perspective. We want to make sure that we're bringing trainings that are really going to move the needle in your business. So that's our big kind of focus with the retention side of it. Now to combat churn, you're always going to have churn. That's just part of the business. And that might be because, you know, someone, maybe their finances are tight this month. Maybe they moved and, you know, they had to pause things for a while. Maybe they just didn't even like it. So there's always going to be those moments of, okay, we just lost these customers. How do we replace them? We have a variety of things that we do. We have a some organic things like our blog and word of mouth. Word of mouth is really big. We have a referral program where if you refer four new subscribers, you get your next renewal for free. So a lot of people get really excited when they get their box and they want to share that with their network. So that is really powerful to have that word of mouth. Just think about, you know, if a friend suggests a movie to you or a restaurant to you, you're so much more likely to go to that restaurant or watch that movie because you trust your friend. Do you use Facebook ads? The the way I like to look at it is I have my network and you have your network. And how do we get beyond that? You know, you may share it with someone who is out of my network. So that just, it's that ripple effect, but how do you continue to pursue that? And that's where Facebook ads comes into place for us because it allows us to reach people that we might not have otherwise found on our own organically. Yeah, I think it was a Facebook ad. I can't remember because it's been a a few years. But one thing I do remember is that however I found you, whether it was that or Crate Joy directly, was for me, normally when I see something I like, it takes me, well, you know, the average is what, seven times? I bet it's much higher in this day. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like seven times to see something before that you actually buy it at that point. And that's kind of how I am. I think about stuff forever before I actually buy it, whether it's a course or what have you. But as soon as I saw that, I bought it right away. I signed (laughs) up right away. I was like, this is so niche down and targeted towards me that, yeah, and I love it. And I love how every month there's a book Mm -hmm. and there's also products, like you said, like maybe a stapler or if they're like nice colors, like teal and turquoise. Yes, exactly. One of the the big things that makes it an easy sell for a lot of women like you and me is that we like to call it the best business expense ever because it's office supplies and personal development. So all you have to do is talk to your accountant and you can write it off as a business expense. Yeah, that's true. One of my favorite things is the training. There's an online training every month. And basically the box, it's like, what, 40 or $50 Mm -hmm. a month. But the value that's within the box is like, at least a couple hundred, it seems like. Oftentimes it is. Yeah. Those trainings are really game changers. And we have to sometimes train our subscribers how to use our product, because especially if you're brand new, now you've been around for a while and you know how our model works. But if you just get a box of office goodies, we don't want you to stop at that. We want you to, we have a workbook. And like you said, we have the online training and that's where the value really comes into play. Because I mean, let's face it, a box of stationery and pens and staplers, that's not going to grow your business. You have to put the work into it. And so we try to find guest experts that teach something that's going to help move the needle. 
And I'm not an expert in all of those things. And I'm learning alongside you, you know, and alongside the subscribers. And that's, I mean, I feel like I have the best gig in the world. (laughs) (laughs) So how do you outsource products, books, trainings? And then I imagine you have to, in order to be profitable, I assume you have to either get at wholesale Mm -hmm. and then with the books and the trainings, do the entrepreneurs offer those for free or maybe at cost? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. So I'll start with the products. We do buy things at wholesale. So we negotiate with vendors. Sometimes vendors will pitch us. We have a form on our website and it's just allows anyone to submit their product. So if you have any listeners that have a product that would be a good fit for a female entrepreneur, then I would encourage them to head to sparklehustlegrow.com, scroll to the bottom, and there's a link that says submit your product. I'd love to see all of these amazing products come across our plate. And so that what we do is we take a look at them. We have to, we put four to six items in each box. So there's a lot of factors that come into play when we're deciding what works. We obviously have to look at the budget. We obviously have to look at what actually fits physically in the box. It's a pretty small box. It's only six inches by nine inches by three. So we have to be very cognizant of the size of products. And then obviously we have to make sure that it fits our target audience and that theme for the month. So that's typically how we pick the products. So not only do people submit products to us, but we also seek out vendors. So in the past, we've gone to events like the National Stationery Show. Yes, that's a thing. And it's amazing. The past couple of years, it's been at the Javits Center in New York City. And it is floors and floors of booths with books and stationery and trinkets and pens. And it's amazing. So we do sourcing from there. And now four years in, we also have a lot of our go-to vendors. So we try to think about what do we need for each box? We always try to put in a piece of stationery, a tech gadget, and an office supply. So we have these categories that we fill. So we'll reach out to our vendors and say, hey, We need to fill this category for our February box, for instance. And then we'll start the conversation about maybe they have some new items. We love to carry new items to be some of the first to market. Same thing with books. We seek those out. Sometimes people will submit them to us, but we have to read them and, you know, make sure that they're a good fit for our mission and for our target audience. So, and then we negotiate either with the author directly or with their publisher to see if we can get it into a price point that fits our budget. Now, when it comes to guest experts, those are typically built from personal relationships. So whether I've met that person at say an event, or maybe I've read their book personally, or I listened to their podcast, or if I have a a topic, for example, and I ask a couple of my colleagues, Hey, do you know anyone who teaches this topic? And those will be then personal kind of recommendations or personal introductions. And that's where we begin the conversation. And the model there is we look for a, what we call the gateway training. And that is just kind of this mini training that's going to give our subscribers a taste of whatever that topic is, give them a quick win, and then open the door to, if you want to pursue this topic further, now you have someone, you have a guest expert, you can sign up for their courses, you can follow them on social media. And so it's this really this big win-win where the guest expert provides this mini training, and then we provide our subscribers with this personal relationship with the guest expert, you know what I mean? So that they can pursue it or not, depending on what the goals of their business are. 
Yeah, and I love how it it's introducing us to all these other predominantly female entrepreneurs. Yeah. Like that's how I found out about Rachel Hollis. I didn't know who she was until mm-hmm. she was and now she's like blown up and just different entrepreneurs that you've had, like their books or their courses in the box. And then I go on to follow them and <laughs> Yeah, it just opens the door. And to be honest with you, with personal development and, and business training, there's a, you can go down a huge rabbit hole because there's so much content out there. So it's our goal to dig through that clutter and deliver the best of the best so that if you know that you need someone who can train you on business finance, or you need someone that can train you on mindset, then you can go back to those people, that core group of guest experts that we've introduced you to, and just dive right in. You don't have to go down the rabbit hole anymore. And you also mentioned the tech gadgets, which I love. (laughs) Every month I'm like, oh, I needed that. Well, now I don't need to go out and buy it, like a new charger, cable, or uh, battery backup or whatever. And they're always cool colors, gold, pink. And then sometimes you even brand them. How do you go about doing that? Yeah, we work with some agencies and some direct-to-product companies that we say, okay, we're looking for this product. And they'll come back to us with a couple of different options and we get to design it, whether we just want to put our logo on it or if we want to change the color or a pattern or something like that. And so we do that from time to time. We love to support other businesses. So we try to have a mix of some custom branded items, but also some of the brands that you know and love. Some of the brands that are really popular, we had back in a month or two ago, we had a Bic four color pen. I don't know if you remember from like oh, your yeah. childhood that yeah. you push the button and it's got like four different colors on it, but they have a new version that's very feminine and very, I use, there's four different colors on it and I use it to color code my planner. And so Bic is a name that we all know and love, but now they have this new product. And so we like to support those brands and then, you know, pepper in some of our own custom ideas. Yeah, I'm actually using that pen right now. (laughs) I'm not, not like literally right now, but when I... When I'm watching something on the computer and I need to take notes, that's what I use. I love it. (laughs) Good. (laughs) And then you also started a second box, right? The Together Box, and that's for kids and families? Yeah, that's my husband's subscription box. Ah. So you can call us the subscription box family. He and (laughs) our nine-year-old daughter started that one last year. It's called Together Unplugged, and it's a box for families to unplug and play together without the screen time. So it has things like games, puzzles, steam projects, team building activities, that type of thing. So it's a lot of fun. We still curate and build that one from home. Whereas Sparkle Hustle Grow, I have my home office, but we use a warehouse to fulfill all of those orders each month. Oh, okay. I saw the Together Unplugged and I was like, oh, I want that, but I don't have any kids yet. So it's like, but I was still tempted to get it. (laughs) When I do have kids, I'll definitely get that. So as far as the warehouse, so do you have other people box it up and package it at this point? Yeah. So up until right around, say like 250, 350 subscribers, I started to run out of space in my home to actually get things delivered to the house and then pick and pack and putting all that stuff together is called kitting. So you think about the boxes come flat packed. So you have to physically build the box first and then you kit it by putting all of the items in there. Then you label it with the postage and then have to pass it off to the mail carrier. That's a lot of steps. It's totally doable when you're starting out. And in fact, I did that for quite a while in my business when I was first starting out. 
But there gets to a point where you're kind of in your own way and you're running out of space and it's getting in the way of you actually pouring back into the business because you're too busy physically building these boxes. So we have outsourced to a warehouse. We've, we've used a couple of different warehouses throughout the years, but we're out of Pittston, Pennsylvania right now with a company called Shipmunk. And they are specifically a warehouse for e-commerce and subscription box businesses. We have a team there that once a month when it's time for us to ship, they grab all the products, they put each one in piece by piece, and then they ship them out directly from there for us. Oh, wow. So then all the products, do they get shipped to that warehouse? And then you have a list of what goes in the box? Exactly. So we we build each batch with a list of what items and how many are going to be in there. And then that small team puts them together and ships them out for us. And it's been a lifesaver to have a warehouse. It's one of those things when you're building a subscription box business, at some point, you're going to have to choose to either hire some help to help you build these boxes or to outsource it to a fulfillment center like we do. So do you have any other subscription boxes that you're working on? No, but I work with hundreds of students. I am a subscription box Mm -hmm. business coach and I have a group coaching programs called Subscription Box Bootcamp. And it is so fulfilling to see so many people's ideas come to life. And you you could see me in video right now and you can see a bunch of those boxes behind me. I'm just so amazed at the ideas that people come up with. No, literally there it seems like there's a box for everything out there, but there's definitely more room in the market, especially when you really niche down and you know exactly that target audience you're going to serve and how you're going to solve their pain points. And I am in awe of what my boot campers come up with and the lives that they change with their boxes. You know what I mean? Because the idea behind the majority of these boxes is here's a problem and I'm going to solve it with the products and experience that you get through my subscription box. Yeah, I was going to actually ask about that, the boot camp. So mm-hmm. that's like a, a course, basically, right? It is. It's an online coaching program that we have. A, a, Of course, you know how I love community. So we have a community that goes with it. And you wouldn't believe the conversations that go in there, that happen in there, the support that you see. Because when you launch a business, especially as a solopreneur, you can feel like you're on an island and you have to Google search everything. But so instead, we've created this beautiful community to go along with the training that I've provided. And you you actually don't feel like you're doing this alone. So it's a lot of fun. We're relaunching the boot camp. We re-recorded all the videos and putting more templates and swipe files and everything you can think of. And it's Subscription Box Boot Camp 2.0 is coming out in mid-September 2020. Oh, wow. Yeah. So how many boxes have launched? Oh, I've had hundreds go through the program and launch. It's amazing. Yeah. So, and you can see them all over the internet, all through CrateJoy, which you mentioned earlier. If your listeners haven't heard of that, CrateJoy is a subscription box marketplace. So if you think of it like Etsy, where handmade goods, you can list them there. Um, All these makers list their goods there. Same thing with CrateJoy. All these subscription box business owners can list there. So if you want to try out a subscription box, you can probably find one for every category or interest if you go to CrateJoy.com. Every now and then I go on there just to explore. Oh, yeah, it's fun. Right now, Sparkle Hustle grows the only one I'm subscribed to because I don't really have a budget to subscribe to a bunch of boxes, <laughs> but I love looking at them. It's just interesting. I don't know what it is. I just 
love that industry. Yeah. Don't they even have like a sub box con or something like that now? <laughs> they do. It's called Sub Summit. And they hold it every year, but this year obviously was a little different. So they held it online. And if you have any women listening that are interested in building a subscription box business, Subta, which is the Subscription Box Trade Association, is holding a women in subscription event, which I'm super excited about. Sometimes, you know, things feel like a boys club. And so I'm so excited that they are creating an event specifically featuring the women in the industry. And I'm lucky enough to be one of the speakers alongside peers and colleagues, like one of my box bestie, Jessica Principe from All Girl Shave Club. We're both being featured as speakers though. So that information is on subta.com. It's S-U-B-T-A.com. Oh, wow. They even have a... A trade association. I know. It's like... (laughs) A trade association. That's crazy. It's great. It's like a really thriving industry. So we've got our own events. We've got a trade association. It's legit. (laughs) I wonder when the first subscription box came out or when the industry started. I'm curious. That I don't know. That would be fun to look into. I know CrateJoy has been a leader in the industry, but I I mean, I know that boxes existed before their marketplace or else they wouldn't have a reason to create a marketplace. So that's so interesting. I'd be curious to know as well. The first one I ever heard about I think it was called Faith Box, Uh I'm pretty sure. And I'm sure that wasn't the first box that existed, but that's the first time I had heard about it. And that was years ago, like, well, definitely more than five years ago, if not closer to 10. I'm not sure. Yeah, I've heard of that one. The two that come to mind that were on my radar early were uh, Yogi Surprise, which is for yoga enthusiasts, and then Stitch Fix, which is a monthly subscription box of fashion. And so I had subscribed to both of those years before I launched my own box. And I still subscribe to a lot of boxes I call market research. (laughs) (laughs) Because I feel it's really important for me to open up a box, a surprise box, to really feel that either surprise or disappointment. I need to harness those feelings so that I can remember that and reflect on that when I'm curating my own products or when I'm curating the products for my own subscription box. And so I love to learn from others and see what others are doing with their boxes. So I've got, I have a lot of fun with my market research. (laughs) (laughs) So for any listeners who are interested in learning more about how to start a subscription box or, I mean, obviously they can sign up for subscription box bootcamp, but do you have any tips or advice for someone thinking about it? Yeah, definitely. I have a podcast called Subscription Box Basics with Julie Ball. And that is a really great place to start because it's free. You can listen to it and I cover all the basics. I talk about things like what you need to start. I talk about things like wholesale, as you had mentioned earlier. That's the one thing I feel like you really need to master is the art of wholesale buying. And that essentially means that you're buying direct from the brand or from a distributor. You're not going to buy your products at a retail store because you can get a deep discount when you buy it direct. So I would say one of the other really important things to do is to carve out your concept. And I have a whole episode on that. It's really getting clear on one, who do you want to serve? What niche? Don't just say, I want to serve women get down deeper into that. And maybe it's women who are pet owners or women who are dog moms or moms who do yoga, like very specific niches. Get clear on that and get really clear on how you're going to solve that, their problems, those common 
problems that they have and how you're going to solve that with your membership, with your products that you provide and the community and support that you provide. So getting really clear on that. Lastly is it's so important to know what's your why? Like, why do you want to do this? Because when things get tough with any business, you know, as an entrepreneur, it's a roller coaster. There's ups and there's downs. And when you're having those downs and you're in those moments of where you're feeling defeat, you can reflect back on that why and really dig deep for your motivation to pick yourself back up and try again. And so you got to get really grounded in your why. Yeah, that's excellent tips. Definitely checking out the podcast. Obviously, who's listening to this, they're podcast listeners. So that makes sense to just head on over and (laughs) check out the podcast. Uh, Another thing I was curious to learn about was your Shark Tank experience. Can you go into that? The Shark Tank experience. So for those who don't know, I'm a Shark Tank reject. (laughs) I made it to the second round. The quick story is, a couple years back. And I was at a point where I felt that I needed some help, some assistance with my growth model, like the scaling stage of my business. I felt a little stuck because I had plateaued with what my cash flow could afford as far as like paying for ads or, you know, influencers, things like that, but also kind of plateaued at a subscriber level. And so I thought, Hey, why not Shark Tank? Let's try this out. And they did an open casting call in Charlotte, North Carolina. And so I drove there the night before, got up really early the next morning to stand in line for hours and hours and hours. I'm talking like, I can't even remember what time I showed up. It must have been very, very early, but I think I was there for a total of maybe eight or nine hours. And you go, you get your wristband and they tell you what time to come back after you've stood in line for like hours in the hot Charlotte sun on the pavement downtown. (laughs) So you wait for like eight hours to get literally 90 seconds to pitch your product, 90 seconds. Mm. So at that time, at that point, you know, I had scripted out my pitch. I'd practiced it at least a gazillion times. Once I got in there, so fast forward those eight hours And, you know, during that time, I'm meeting all these other entrepreneurs with some really amazing ideas and then with some really crazy ideas like, what? I can't even (laughs) do that. But it was super fun to meet all those different people. It was a really good experience. So then I get inside the building and they put us in kind of like this, for better, lack of better words, like a batting cage. Like we're in this room where we know that we're up to bat soon, but you don't know when. You're just waiting for them to call your name. And so, of course, I'm getting all nervous. The closer you get, the more nerves I would get. You know, there was producers in the house. I thought this could be my big break. And it was so anticlimactic when I got in there because you pitch for 90 seconds to an associate producer who is at least five, 10 years younger than me. And she, at this point, has heard seven hours worth of pitches. And I'm like, you're probably checked out by now. You probably don't care. But I did my pitch anyhow. I put my all into it. I literally thought I was going to pee my pants before I went in there because I was so nervous. And and it's funny because like I don't get nervous to speak that much, you know, like on podcasts or, you know, on stage. But for whatever reason this was, I guess because it was Shark Tank, <laughs> um, I, was, I was just so nervous. So I give my pitch. She asked me maybe two or three questions. And then she says, 
okay, we'll be in touch within the next, I think she said within the next month, if you make it to the next round, if you don't hear from us, assume you didn't make it. I'm like, so you're going to ghost me. You're not going to even <laughs> some constructive criticism. You're not going to tell me what happened. It's kind of like a bad breakup. And so luckily for me, I heard within a week, they said, congratulations, you made it to the next round. Here's what you need to do next. Well, the next step was to sign a, fill out and sign a 30 page contract. I'm not even kidding. It was literally 30 pages long. And it asked me all kinds of questions about my financials. It asked me about goal setting. It, you know, where do you see yourself in a year, two years from now? What would you, what money are you asking for? You know, at Shark Tank, you had to say, I'm asking for X thousand dollars for X percent of my business. So you have to carve out what you want. And then you have to say, this is what I would use the money for. And then you have to agree to not talking about it. Clearly, I like to talk as evidenced on this podcast. So that was really tough for me, you know, to keep my mouth quiet. I wasn't allowed to talk to anyone, not even my family about what was going on. And so luckily before I got that contract, I reached out to my local news station, the same station that shows Shark Tank. And I said, Hey guys, I just tried out for Shark Tank. They literally showed up at my house the next day to interview me. I was like, Ooh, good thing you came today because tomorrow I have to sign a contract that I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) So I signed the contract and the last step of that second round for me, at least, I don't know if this has changed because it's been a couple years was I had to create a video and that video had to tell my story It had to tell all about my why it told about my launch. It told about you know, why I wanted to try out for Shark Tank and what I would do with the money, but you had to put it in video format. And they said, you know, you don't make this a professional video, use what you have at home. And so, and it had to be 10 minutes, it had to be between five and 10 minutes, I think. So pretty short, but still scary and nerve wracking. And I must've redid it like 20 times. So I finally send in the video, I send in the contract and then it's a waiting game and months go by and I haven't heard from them. And then I see on TV that they're filming the new season of Shark Tank. I'm like, oh, guess I didn't make it. (laughs) So, um, But I learned a lot from it. One, it was a really good experience. But two, later on that year, some things happened in our lives, in my family and in my business that made me really grateful that I didn't get it because I was able to retain 100% of ownership of my business. And I had to make some changes and some pivots. And when I was reflecting back on the choices that I had to make, I, I thought to myself, if I had an investor, they would not be okay with this. And it because it meant me taking a break for a little bit, not stopping the business, but not chasing growth all the time, trying to tweak some other parts of the business. And in my mind, I was thinking, you know, an investor is going to want sales, 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 no matter what, growth, growth, growth. And for me, I needed a season of a little bit of change and a little bit of rest. Um, And I was lucky enough to do that because I still owned my business 100%. So in the end, you know, as happens so often when we don't get what we want, in hindsight, I was really glad the way it turned out. So for any of the listeners who are wanting to try out for Shark Tank, now you know what to expect. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Well, like I said, that was a couple of years ago. I don't know if it's the same, but I do know they still do open casting calls. And they have several rounds before you actually go to the studio and meet the sharks. Yeah, I love that show. It's actually my favorite show. And sometimes I wonder, how did some of these ideas even get on here? I think that sometimes, too. I think, 
likability is part of it. I think the wow factor is part of it because let's face it, they need ratings and they need to keep your attention. So if there's boring pitches all the time and boring people all the time, you're not going to want to watch it. So I think on purpose, they they choose some characters, we'll call them. <laughs> Just like on American Idol and shows like that, sometimes, or, or like America's Got Talent, sometimes people make it on and you're like, what? Yeah. How? Yeah. How? <laughs> I'm with you on that. <laughs> well, that's awesome. And you also have a annual retreat. Is that right? I would like to go on that sometime. Now but- we have, we've run it I wouldn't call it annual because COVID got in the way. Mm-hmm. Um, we hosted our first in Riviera Maya, Mexico, and we call it the work hard, play hard retreat. And it was so much fun. And we learned so much and created these beautiful bonds with other female entrepreneurs. We were to host another one earlier this year, but COVID happened. We had already planned on having a virtual side of it where we were going to do some training and stuff online. So that was good. We, we didn't have to make a major pivot. However, the in-person part of the retreat at this point, we are pushing to next year. So Mm. we're hopeful that it's going to be safe to travel and that everyone feels good about that. Moving forward, it's still to be determined what the retreat looks like if it's going to happen in the future. So travel is one of my love languages, that of my team as well. So it's definitely near and dear to us. So we just have to play it by ear and see what the landscape's going to be like, what the economy is going to look like in the travel industry, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love traveling. I actually had a travel agency for a while. Right. But I, I recently closed it because, well, I was already thinking of closing it before COVID just because I've decided that podcasting and just podcasting related I'm coming out with a course and a book and and a production agency and all this stuff. I've decided to to zero in on podcasting. So I was already thinking about closing it before COVID. But then with COVID, I mean, all my bookings had to get canceled Mm -hmm. and then you make no money. So it's like all this work goes into planning and booking and all this stuff. And then... Because with travel agencies, you just, you don't get paid unless the travel happens, right? Right. So golly, (laughs) that industry. Oh, man. Yeah. So then it was after that point that I was like, okay, now it's time. Yeah. Well, good. <laughs> but I, but I love to travel and I love Riviera Maya. I've been one time and mm-hmm. there's just so it's like Cancun and Playa del Carmen, all that Tulum, Tulum or Tulum. I don't Tulum. know. Tulum. Yep. Just so pretty and so much to do like swimming with turtles and, or snorkeling with turtles and yeah. The cenotes or cenote, yeah, zip lining and all kinds of cool stuff. I love it there. It's one of my favorite places to go. So I'm looking forward to doing some travel in the future. Yeah, me too. Well, I appreciate your time today. I think we've gone over quite a bit and people can go to sparklehustlegrow.com or subscriptionboxbootcamp.com. You got it. We're also on Facebook and Instagram. The handle is sparklehustlegrow and subscriptionboxbootcamp. And then I'll also have show notes at thesarahstjohn.com forward slash Julie. It's been so much fun chatting with you. I really appreciate you. And thank you for being such a longtime subscriber to Sparkle Hustle Grow. Oh, well, I love it. Just keep up the great work. I appreciate it. If you enjoyed and found value from this episode, I'd greatly appreciate it if you rate, review, subscribe, and share at ratethispodcast.com forward slash frugalpreneur. Until next time.
Are you a frugalpreneur looking to connect with like-minded individuals? Join our community on Slack, connect with fellow listeners, share your thoughts on episodes, engage in meaningful discussions, including money-saving tips and entrepreneurial insights, and help shape the future of the Frugalpreneur podcast. Plus, you can submit your questions in written or audio form to be featured on the show. Let's build a supportive space together. Join us now at frugal.show forward slash slack. See you on the inside.